We are keeping democracy alive. Check for pulse. Stand clear. Push to shock. So yes, there's a huge gap between public opinion and public policy. That people don't feel that they can do very much. You know what this is? This is a very Hamiltonian system. Alexander Hamilton being the guy here in a very un-Jeffersonian. In the case of the Republicans, it's dramatically the opposite. Uh, But even in the case of the Democrats. An absolute typhoon of terror against African Americans themselves. America's fascists are those people who think that Wall Street comes first and the American people come second. We're only seen as a financial sector that's uh, gotten out of hand. The shooting, the violence, that is not the drug problem. That is, in fact, the drug policy problem. I speak tonight for the dignity of man. Boy, dignity of man. That was one president, President Johnson, who was interested in the dignity of humanity. Wow. (laughs) Those were different times. Everywhere I go these days, people are still stunned from the election of Donald Trump. Many people voted for him largely because they just couldn't hack the alternative, Hillary Clinton. And really, they didn't agree with all of Trump's far-right extremist agenda. Yet here it is. He is going to be president. There is legitimate reason to be afraid of what signers of a new call for action see as, quote, the catastrophe that will befall the people of the world should the Trump-Pence regime assume full power. Everyone is wondering, what can we do? How can we effectively mount resistance to a genuinely fascist, authoritarian regime and stand up to protect traditional American values and principles? How can our fear and anger be channeled into constructive and effective action? You may have seen a full-page ad in the January 4, 2017 New York Times. Prominent scientists, actors, musicians, intellectuals, activists, religious leaders, and over 3,000 others have called for massive protests and resistance to stop the Trump-Pence regime before it starts. It reads in part, quote, No, in the name of humanity, we refuse to accept a fascist America. And it warns that Trump is, quote, assembling a regime of grave danger, and it is, whose fascist character renders it illegitimate and an immoral peril to the future of humanity and the earth itself. Those are some strong words, and it's hard to believe. I don't think it's an exaggeration. I really don't. Among the signers is our guest Ted Sirota, a Chicago-based drummer, band leader, and activist, graduate of Berklee College of Music in Boston. Great place. Some wonderful people have come out of there. Sirota has performed with a long list of jazz luminaries, as well as leading his own group, Ted Sirota's Rebel Souls, since 1995. Ted Sirota, thanks so much for being with us on Keeping Democracy Alive. Thanks a lot for having me, Bert. Oh, sure. Well, the term fascist is a very powerful word and shouldn't be thrown around easily. In what ways do you think the word fascist describes the Trump-Pence agenda? (laughs) Um, You know, that question, it it might almost might be easier to uh, answer how it isn't (laughs) (laughs) to describe the the Trump-Pence agenda. It would be a much shorter answer. Um, but, um, 
we say that fascism is the exercise of blatant dictatorship by the bourgeoisie capitalist imperialist class ruling through reliance on open terror and violence, trampling on what are supposed to be civil and legal rights, wielding the power of the state, and mobilizing organized groups of fanatical thugs to commit atrocities against masses of people, particularly groups of people identified as quote-unquote enemies, undesirables, or dangerous to society. I'm reading that because uh, I find that to be a particularly um, you know, sharp definition of fascism. There's many definitions of fascism, and I personally searched as many as I could and applied them in, to this case with uh, Trump and Pence, and I think it's very important that every time we talk about fascism with Trump, we say Trump and Pence because it is really a two-headed beast here that we're talking about. True. But uh, some of the ways are the extreme xenophobia, uh, the uh, scapegoating of Mexicans saying they're rapists and um, drug dealers, and some of them might be okay, um, calling uh, for a complete ban on Muslims, having people in your cabinet who consider Islam to be a political ideology and not a religion, um, the attacks on women, it's very important to fascism, uh, to control women's reproductive rights and control of their own bodies, because this type of Christian fascism, like we saw, uh, we're seeing rise here, and what we saw in Nazi Germany you know, it depends on extreme patriarchy, too. Um, we are seeing threats against uh, jailing and revoking citizenship for people expressing that what's been ruled as their First Amendment freedom of speech rights of burning an American flag. Mm-hmm. We've seen them personally attack artists, um, attacking Hamilton through his uh, Twitter right. account. I know. And um, <laughs> we've seen him attacking the press everywhere he goes calling on rabid mobs of racist people and uh, just out-of-control bigots pounding and yelling at the press and threatening them. These are all signs of, I mean, to me it can't be really any clearer, and that's why I signed this call, but to a lot of people it's, it's hard to believe, but there's a quote that, you know, you may have seen a meme on the Internet, it goes around a lot, that says, uh, when fascism comes to America, oh, it will be carrying the cross and draped in the flag. That's right. Or draped in the flag and carrying the cross. Right. Um, and it's credited to Sinclair Lewis. Um, whoever it's credited, whoever said it, it's true. I think people are expecting that when fascism would come to the U.S., all of a sudden you would see, you know, uh, a million white people with Hitler mustaches marching around in brown shirts, and then we would know that the fascists <laughs> were in control. But that's not how, <laughs> that's not how it works. So... People that study world history, that understand the, you know, situations like this that have happened and continue to happen, um, you know, we're ringing the alarm, we're sounding the alarm, and we're calling people to rise up and resist this regime right now. We're not saying wait and see, wait and see. Right. People need to stand up now, recognize it for what it is. Let's call a spade a spade. Yes, fascism is a strong word, and it's been thrown around a lot in the past 50 years. But the other problem with that is a lot of the youth, especially a lot of the black and Latino youth, they don't know what fascism means. They've never heard that word before. They have to be educated. So it's our duty to put that word out there as well and teach people what that means. That's a very good point. Hey, how do you really feel? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it it is... uh, There's so many factors. It's, It's like hard 
to uh, you know remember all of them. I mean, I had frankly forgotten about the attack from the president-elect on Hamilton. I mean, geez. Luckily for us, I think the guy has an amazingly thin skin, and uh, you know we can fight back. And I'll tell you, growing up Jewish in the 1950s, very shortly after the Second World War, there was always that phrase, can it happen here? Uh, I think uh, maybe it was Sinclair Lewis who said it can't happen here and wrote a book about Bert, it, but it did happen. I'm, so, I don't, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you know, the point you just brought up is I'm hearing that a lot out there, that he's thin-skinned. Yeah. Um, you know, I started a group just before this call came out for really for the same reason, for, to, but to organize artists called uh, Degenerate Artists Against Fascism. <laughs> so we've been bringing, uh, and we've got a lot of really well-known, you know, and even not well-known, but just incredible artists, um, the group up to about 2,000 people now. And um, we're hearing that a lot, like, he's so thin-skinned, that's great, you know, we can take advantage of that. That's another reason why we need to stand up today and not yesterday, because we can't even trust this person with a Twitter account, and... When he gets his hands on the nuclear codes, there are no checks and balances on the nu- on the president's power with the nuclear button. That's just a fact. And you can look at any law, you know, scholar, and no, they will sure. tell you the same thing. Effectively, there are no checks and balances on the use of nuclear weapons. So do we really want someone who's that thin-skinned? Do we want to take a chance to let him get consolidate his hands on power and consolidate his, you know, his regime's control over the whole mechanism and apparatus that's been set up to clamp down on people. Do we want to wait until then and then see if we can rise up and stop it? Or do we want to try to stop this man who's completely illegitimate and unqualified in countless ways from having the power of blowing up, for instance, Pakistan? Because he gets upset about a tweet. (laughs) <laughs> you know, now it sounds like a uh, a dream or a, a, a nightmare movie script, but so does um, Donald Trump being president of the United States. Who would have believed that could be oh, true? I know. Ten years ago. Here we are. Here we are. And uh, Bert Cohen here. This is a show called Keeping Democracy Alive, which is we're just uh, part of a whole big effort to try to keep democracy alive. It is in jeopardy today like it's never been before. We're talking uh, to uh, uh, Ted Sirota uh, about an ad that he was one of the many artists and musicians, uh, actors uh, who who signed it that was in a full-page ad in the New York Times uh, on January 4th. And and how did this this ad, expensive full-page ad in the New York Times, and how did this organization come to be? Do you know? Well, um, I can't give you a specific, you know, um, one go-to answer, but I can tell you that there are people in this society that spend every day of their lives um, working to make revolution, and there are people that do something, you know, just about every day of their lives to try to make this world a better place to live. So it's a constant struggle, and, and it's not something that just happened overnight. There's a bone structure within our society of people who want to make change and are dedicating their life to doing that. Real change, not just superficial and yeah. hope and change. Yeah. yeah. So change. that's the backbone. But then, you know, when a crisis comes to a situation like this, we have such an acute crisis in a, in a 
you know, this truncated time period, mm. people really have to, like Michael Morton said, all hands on deck, you know? Yes. Yes. So I think it was just a bunch of, it was uh, initiators of the call, and you have to have people that have the political vision yeah. and, and the uh, foresight to put out a brave, you know, poll in the, in the debate like this and say, wait a minute, we have to do not what we think might be possible, but we have to do what's needed. And I always refer people back to the very first words of our statement, which is, in the name of humanity. And I like to pause, in the name of humanity. Yes, that's good. That's what, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about Republicans and Democrats. I get in, you know, online, I have these Republicans and Trump voters attacking me, saying, your side lost, um, get over it. Right. You know, and my answer to them is, I didn't lose because I didn't have a side, because I'm not a Republican, and I'm not a Democrat, and I'm not a capitalist. That's me. So I wasn't playing your game in the first place, so I can't lose. Second of all, you know who's going to lose first? The polar bears and the polar ice caps that That's are right. continuing to melt and disintegrate and you know go extinct, and all the people that live in low-lying areas in That's this right. world, right. which are mostly predominantly poor people in mm-hmm. places like Philippines and Sri Lanka and islands in the Caribbean, Haiti, those are the people, millions of people are going to die, literally, if uh, we put a climate change denier, someone who doesn't believe in science, effectively, you know, basically, he doesn't believe in science, he denies climate change, we're going to put him and the CEO of Exxon in the most (laughs) powerful positions in the world, and the Christian fascists in that mix. We're going to say, you know what, guys, we're going to be classy, here's the keys, we greased all the wheels. Everything's running great for you. We shut down a couple things that we didn't think you were going to need here. You know, you probably won't mind, but if you need to turn them back on, here's the switch. And we're going to go to the inauguration, and we're going to sit there politely and watch you fascists take control. Right. You know who's going to suffer? The, the oppressed are going to suffer first. That's right. And the people that are going to get locked up are going to be the people that he's saying he's going to lock up and deport. And Muslims. You- Mexicans, LGBT community, communists, socialists, liberals, trade unions, liberals. students. I know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Uh, we've had this. I, I've done a show uh, months ago about uh, mass incarceration. Well, I talked to some uh, you know knowledgeable lawyers and. You ain't seen nothing yet in terms of mass incarceration. Just uh, the jails are full. People are rioting in jails. It's just going to go on and on and on. A lot of people are going to get really, really hurt if his agenda is allowed to become uh, reality. And I'll tell you, I, I you know, I, I suspect I'm a little bit older than you. Back in the uh, in the '60s, the best anti-war organizer we had was none other than Richard Nixon. He brought people together. And I'll tell you, I've, I'm very political, as it sounds like you are too. Uh, and a lot of like non-political people are realizing what you're talking about, Ted, is this is about humanity. This is beyond Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative. This is about humanity itself and, and wildlife, for that matter, and just you know the existence of Earth itself. It sounds like an exaggeration. It's not. You know it's not. This ad that we're talking about that was in the uh, New York Times on January 4th calls for millions to, quote, rise up in a resistance with a deep determination that we create a political crisis, create a political crisis that prevents the Trump fascist regime 
Uh, and I will say just briefly, I, I watched the uh, debate between uh, Pence and uh, and the Democratic nominee Kane. And as I was watching Pence, I was thinking, I'll bet this guy has a white sheet hanging in his closet. He is one dangerous racist guy, openly racist. Anyway, uh, the prevents the Trump Pence fascist regime from consolidating its hold on the governance of society. End of quote. Now that's a lot to ask. The ad calls for a month of resistance. Starting December 19th, the day a majority of the electors voted to install Trump and lasting until Inauguration Day, January 20th. I I haven't been aware of actions. I mean, I, yeah, no, you're right, actually. There was and I think it's a lot of little actions even uh, at the state house in New Hampshire, where the show is coming from. There was a, a demonstration against Trump uh, and New Hampshire's electors, all four voted for uh, the lesser of two evils, at least Hillary Clinton. But. I, I haven't been aware of too many actions, that, you know, calling for a month of actions. Have there been actions uh, that, that may have started on uh, the Electors Day? All right, we're going to have to get you an Internet connection. Where are you again? New Hampshire. Oh. <laughs> we're, we're still part of America. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to set up a GoFundMe, and I'm going to get you a, uh, an Internet connection. No, I'm just, I'm just teasing you. I guess, um, I guess I've missed a lot it. of action. Have there been? Um, okay. And, you know, some important <laughs> ones that just happened that weren't associated with us as a group, right. per se, you know, was the group of black scholars and lawyers that occupied Jeff Sessions' oh, right. office the other day. True. Okay. So we expect to see things like this popping off everywhere in society. You know, we're not behind this, not this little group of people, you know, rubbing their hands together saying we're going to no, you know we know that tens of millions of people in this country hate this and do not want to see this go down and we know that we are the majority and we know that if you count third party and votes for uh you know jill stein right and uh gary johnson and write-ins that 74 over 74 million people voted against trump that means there was really 12 million people more it's not three million people that he lost by. Mm, so he has no mandate, and that's true. We're calling. We're putting this call out there. Someone has to call for this. It's needed. Like I said before. Yes. Now, is it possible? Yes, I think it is possible. Most people that are going to hear the idea for the first time are going to say it's impossible. But we have to point out. We have to look at examples. And one of them that I've been sharing with people because I, this year I took it as a personally as a gift from from the uh, Standing Rock uh-huh. tribe. Yo, that was great. That, to me, was a gift from Native Americans ar- around Thanksgiving time, saying, you know, hundreds of millions of, of us were slaughtered. Right. You know, our... Right. We were... Genocide was committed against us and is continuing to be committed against us in the year 2017. Yes. You are still bringing your money-grubbing, oil-slurping, <laughs> capitalist imperialists drilling huge black snakes through yes. our sacred ground. Yes. And we're going to stand here, a small band of us are going to stand here, and we're going to stop you. And you watch, and the world is going to see that we're going to stop you. And you know what? It did. <laughs> they stopped them. And now, this is for now. For now. And there's yes. another reason why. You know, once Trump gets his hands and Pence, once they get their hands on power, boom, there's so many things they can fast-track. You're going to see fascism is going to hit you in the face so fast you won't know what hit you. And then what are you going to say? Right. Right. We have to spend it. It's you know, it's hard for people to take uh, preemptive action. But 
you know, I think it's hard anyway. And a lot of people are saying, oh, let's just wait it out. Let's see. But I think one of the problems that I've seen even before this uh, election of Trump and Pence, uh, you know, back in the in the late 60s and the 50s, there was very effective protest for ending racial discrimination, ending Jim Crow uh, for civil rights and for ending the war against Vietnam. It was very effective. We took to the streets and we won some huge victories. But it seems in recent decades since then that the, uh, the information machine, whatever the heck it is, somehow most Americans have come to accept, oh, we don't have any power, accept our powerlessness. I wonder what can, how can people... It's quite a job, I think, just to to shake people out of that acceptance of powerlessness. What are your thoughts on that, Ted Sirota? Well, Bert, um, I think you you know you raise very important questions, and I think that when we look at the society, um, if we're not looking at it as a class society, we're really not taking an honest look at a truthful look at what's in front of us. And, um, you know, we are in a society where a tiny percentage of 1% owns, you know, the equivalent to half the rest of the society. Oh, yeah. um, you can look up the facts and the exact oh, numbers. Yeah, but we sure. know that yeah. wealth is concentrated in, a, in the super wealthy. And they're, and, they're, and they're making a grab for, you know, a huge leap here with this, too. But you can't forget that the FBI murdered Fred Hampton Yes. Um, they murdered Bobby Hutton. Yes. They uh, jailed um, Huey Newton, you know, numerous times. They murdered, you know, all kinds of... Uh, they jailed Leonard Peltier. They jailed Mumia Abu-Jamal. You know, when COINTELPRO went into full force, that was just pure gangsterism, just taking people out, yeah. you know? And, and you've seen the FBI, famous FBI memorandum where... You know, um, J. Edgar Hoover is calling the Black Panther Party, you know, the biggest threat to the security of the United States. And they went after them. And what we need to learn is that from the Panthers is that they, they were just and they were correct in defending themselves because this started as a community of two people, really one person picking up a gun, which was legal, and saying, we're going to defend ourselves from racist cops. That's how the Black Panther Party started, right? Yeah. But the fact that they picked up the gun at that point and that was such a part of their presence and their ideology from the beginning, it also worked against them because they were in such an oppressed community to begin with, and they're walking around with guns that gave this racist white supremacist system almost carte blanche to come in and just massacre them, yes. lie to the American people through the press about what happened, and just wipe their hands of it. And I want to bring up, if, if I can, sure. you can cut me off because it's your show, <laughs> but two important <laughs> points that came up in, in comments that you made that I'm finding out here talking with people. And one is uh, speaking about the black community in particularly particular, um, you know, there's a sentiment there uh, to a large degree of, well, where were you? You know, uh, well, this ain't nothing new to us. Um, the comedian Dave Chappelle said, you know, we've been through worse. We'll get through this. And that's an attitude that, yes, it's true. And, and where were you? Well, a lot of us, including myself and many of my comrades, have been out there consistently over the years. There's not been enough of us, you know, but that's not for the lack of trying. So people have been there trying to fight this clampdown and this mass incarceration that you can read very, you know, succinctly and, and 
very well in uh, Michelle Alexander's book, The New Jim Crow, as you mentioned before. Mm. So people have been, you know, in the, in the, let's put it, put it frank, in Chicago, on the south side and the west side of Chicago, you know, where all these murders are happening, this has been a war zone. This has been fascism. I was working in, you know, in these areas many, many years ago, and I saw the stormtroopers coming out there then. So, yes, it has been a fascist in their communities, but this is taking it to a whole other level, and this is taking it to a whole other threat against all of humanity and, and all of our brothers and sisters all across the planet, not just here. And then there's the person that says, well, we've been fascist since at least 16 years, where were you then? And I answer to them again. A lot of us were out here, and we have been sounding the alarm, but not enough people have woken up. But that doesn't mean we should be defeatist and we should stop now. If you have one shot left, if you're in a basketball game and you're down by two points mm-hmm. and you have one second on the clock, do you just throw the ball out of bounds and walk off the court? No, you call timeout. You get the coach draws up the best play. You rely on your best shooter. You run your best play, and you take your shot, and that's what we're doing with this. You know, and it seems to me, uh, it's been interesting through the years, the word conservative is another word I think has been thrown around quite a bit, and people on the right wing have uh, been called conservative. They're not conserving anything. And I think what you're talking about, Ted, what I'm, and I think what most Americans talk about, we are the real conservatives, because what you're talking about there is uh, taking some control over our lives, not putting up with oppression. I mean, the you know the murder of of the black community has been going on for a long time, and people you know are recognizing, hey, this is not okay. Our sense of individual strength, individual empowerment, community, sense of community that you know we can't be dictated to. We fought. Uh, at least one war against fascism. And so we, I think you and I and most Americans who are appalled by this uh, uh, threat of the Trump-Pence fascist authoritarian regime, we are the real conservatives. Just my opinion here. And and Well, I'll let you say that, Bert. Um, (laughs) But, um, oh, I do want to say that that's the second part that second part of the answer to your question is that if you look for it, it is there. Yeah. You know, Black Lives Matter yeah, movement has arisen from a hashtag, you yeah. know. Yeah. This is a new generation, and my daughters are um, African-American, and they're 23 and 18 years old, uh-huh. and one of them is, is uh, bisexual, and they're, they're millennials, and they're very much part of this new generation, and oh, that whole, their whole future is at risk yeah. with what's facing them right now. I am so excited about this younger generation. I have to tell you, it's fantastic to see. They know their stuff. That you know, a lot of them uh, got into Bernie Sanders not because uh, it was just because of the college thing. That was something, but because he's for real. Because he's talking about real issues, and they weren't scared by the label socialist. I mean, socialism actually has been part of America for a long, long time, and only recently has it been denied and given, you know, somebody said when people hear the word socialist, they stop thinking. I don't think so. Not the young people these days. They get it. And I'm, I'm very excited right. about young you people. You know, when, uh, when the uh, 49ers were here playing the Bears in Chicago, yes, and um, it was the same day that Fred Hampton had been murdered oh, God. Uh, by the Chicago police. Yeah. And 69, Colin I Kaepernick, I don't know if you saw, but he wore a, a T-shirt. Fred Hampton T-shirt, ah. and he got all kinds of questions from the reporters about who is that. Oh, excellent! And within very shortly, uh, 
the name Fred Hampton was trending on oh, Facebook. Fabulous. So I, I found out that this was, this was going on, you know. So um, here's a, another situa- uh, example in society where this, you know, multi-million dollar sports superstar has been taking this principled stand in the face of all his hatred and threats and inspiring millions of youth, you know, and letting them know what their rights are and bringing up, you know, the, uh, the murder of Fred Hampton right. and bringing that to the recognition of a new generation, you know. So there, it is out there. If you look for it, um, you know, there are millions of us. And here in Chicago, just uh, the other night, a group of us met with a large um, gathering, about 100 uh, Pakistani and Indian community and business leaders mm-hmm. on Devon, which is the center of really that community, Indo-Pak community in the United States. And um, it was broad- going to be broadcast on Pakistani TV, and it was in the newspaper, and they're very concerned about this. And people are scared, and, they- and communities are scared. And they're not linked up yet, but they're, we're doing it very quickly. And everybody ah. in the society needs to play a role in that right now in their personal lives, in their jobs. You know, you can say we've had elements of socialism in, in the U.S., but, you know, and the idea that uh, people aren't, young people aren't so scared of socialism right. anymore. Right. Not at all. You know, that, that was what I was initially trying to say is Fred Hampton said, if socialism is the people. If you're scared of socialism, if you're afraid of socialism, you're afraid of yourself. So I like to tell people that, you know, socialism is the people. If you're afraid of socialism, you're afraid of yourself. You're afraid of the power of the people. But what we're trying to build personally, you know, not me personally, but mm. what I'm looking with others to build is like real socialism, you know. And where, where is Bernie now? You know, if Bernie is really this, you know, person who's against the system and a revolutionary and all this, if you're friends with him, call on him now. He's called a, a, for a march on January 15th to protest against, certain legislation he needs to call that he needs to call on this regime for what it is a fascist regime if he's really a revolutionary and a visionary and someone that we should follow then he needs to be a person of person of conscience and step up now and say that we need to fill the streets every city in this country chicago los angeles san francisco dallas seattle portland detroit we need to shut them down, and we need to stay in the streets, and we need to shut down Washington, D.C., and we need to stay here, and we need to create our own Freedom Square, and we need to stay here and create a crisis in this society where they're not going to know how to... No one's going to know exactly how it's going to end up, but we're going to take our shot to prevent these fascists from getting their hands on nuclear buttons right. and the entire apparatus that has been set up through years and years of chipping away and creating a security state you know, don't forget, I would recommend people go to um, refusefascism.org and watch the video from the initial call to action that featured uh, Jeremy Scahill, for one, oh. Carl Dix, uh, Sansara Taylor, PZ Myers, evolutionary biologists. And you hear from a bunch of different perspectives on why we need to come together and why we need to form a united front. You know, so I'm, not, I'm debating with a lot of Bernie supporters out there and wrangling with them, I see that we're on the same side of the fence, but a lot of them are still need, I feel, have not woken up. And that, in a lot of ways, what Bernie did was lead a lot of energetic people, like leading lamb to the slaughter. Well, you know, there, that, that's one of the things, in, in, in being around for a while and reading a lot of uh, history of the American left, uh, 
my old friend uh, Abby Hoffman that said something about how old I am uh, a long time ago said uh, uh, the the relationship between the right and left is perfect. The right is sadistic. The left is masochistic. They unite and are by nature very disciplined and organized, and they want power, power, power. And we have many different points of view, many different organizations. We excel at disunity. There are lots of groups appalled by the prospect of fascism in America, Uh, the ACLU, the NAACP, immigrant rights groups. I I, I wonder, you know, yeah, there's differences. There's always differences between people on the left. Uh, You know, there's a huge uh, spectrum of, of, you know, how can we start to work together? you know, and not be so divided and organ unorganized. You know, the, I always get frustrated by purists. Uh, you know, people say, well, it's got to be this way or no, I just reject it. Unless it's a, you know, a total lefty revolution, I'm not going to participate. Well, where does, where does that get us? We need to uh, somehow work together. And, and what do you see on that? I, I think this is a tremendous opportunity for people who haven't been in politics before, who have not necessarily been affiliated with any political party, just to see, I mean, I know, you know, middle-aged women who are saying, you know, I, they haven't been involved in politics before, but now, like, there is a serious threat to everything we, we value. So I wonder about this point in time, can this unique threat of, of authoritarian fascism bring people together and, and work together? And have you seen people, you know, who are on the, the moderate left to the real left left, of which there are very few, really, uh, start to work together? I don't know if you can uh, answer if, if there's even a clear question there. I'm just worried about people uh, being too purist and perhaps not communicating, not coordinating, not being organized and working together. What do you see on that, Ted? Wow. All right, Bert. Sorry. Have you ever laid a question like that on a jazz drummer before? <laughs> no. Jazz is always, you know, it's above my pay grade. I, I you know, I, I understand rock and roll, but jazz is like, oh, man, it's just too much for me. I'm, I'm intimidated by jazz. So then you know, I mean, if like if I get a B on this answer, you should upgrade me to an A to be weighted because <laughs> okay. you know I didn't go to Harvard Law School. Oh, I'm not a political science major. Right. But um, all joking aside, that's a re- really important question. Um, I want to go back to what you just—I was intrigued by what you started with that Abby Hoffman, um, and I looked up the quote while you were saying that. Uh, the relationship between the right and left is perfect. The right is sadistic. The left is masochistic. Yeah, that's a tendency. They unite and are by nature disciplined and organized while we excel in disunity. So I just would say uh, BS. I mean, I don't, I, I don't agree with that statement. The, the right and left, uh, the right is sadistic, the left is masochistic. Yeah, I don't understand what he's saying. But again, if you're not taking a class in approach, if you're not using a class analysis, what's the right and the left? You know, mm-hmm. that's a lot of the confusion that's out there. That's true. You know, we need to understand that we live in a capitalist society. We live in a society where one class of people owns the means of production and another class of society more or less owns their labor, their ability to sell that labor. Uh-huh. These, these political yes. parties, the Democrats and the Republicans, they represent this same class. 
they both represent the ruling class. They represent the people that, the corporations and the people that, the class that rules society that's becoming, you know, the rich, the super rich. Right. And it just differ in how to be- most effectively rule this imperialist system. Barack Obama is not on the left. Barack right. Obama is chief of the imperialist system, the biggest gangster on the planet Earth, the one that has their military in the most countries and is bombing the most countries and is, you know, the dominant uh, power, superpower on the planet. Barack Obama has been at the helm of that. The difference traditionally has been how do we best govern? That's the difference between Nixon and Jimmy, Car- Jimmy Carter, Ford and Reagan, Mondale and Reagan, Clinton and, and uh, uh, say, Mitt Romney. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the difference. How do we best? That's where it's always yeah. been. The A-team are the Republicans. They get out there, they kick ass. <laughs> the B-team is the Democrats. So I understand what he's trying to say, but it's not a correct analysis because it's not taking into account of who, you know, what do these... Um, who represents who? And we're saying that there's tens of millions of us that this system doesn't represent. And it doesn't re- represent a future. Now, I'm not speaking for generally for the signatories of the, um, right. you know, of the call. I'm speaking for myself right now sure. and, um, and other comrades that <laughs> might see things my way. Um, so, yes, there's a lots of groups um, and I'm sorry, I just kind of got a little, maybe a little bit off course. Bring me no, back on track. No, no. Um, I, you know, I'm just thinking of, uh, you know, during the Vietnam protests. Some people are saying, you're saying some people would be very, um, you know, like, if it's not this way, we don't want to play ball, and, right. you know, very extremist or, you know, this and that. And, um, you know, for me personally, coming at this, I, I became very active around the first Gulf War in Iraq. Uh-huh. Um, so in the early 90s, although I had been going to demonstrations in high school before that and stuff. But um, what I started doing was picking up everybody's literature. I'd go to a protest, yeah. and on uh-huh. there would be a bunch of different groups there sure. with newspapers. And I and they were all a dollar, and I'd bring $10, and I'd buy 10 newspapers. And then I'd go, after the protest, I'd go home, and I'd read each one. Mm-hmm. And each week, the stack would get a little bit smaller and smaller. Mm. And, um, you know, there was a time where I had somebody came to me and said, you know, we're, we're the name, you know, we're communists, we're revolutionary communists. And I just laughed in his face, you know, but because I grew up under Ronald Reagan and, and, you know, the Cold War and the nuclear Holocaust and all this stuff. But I knew something was wrong with the world, you know? And, um, but here I am now many years later and the truth is the truth, you know? So Mm -hmm. we're coming back around to this. If I, if I read you this quote, it says, oppressed people who are unable or unwilling to confront reality as it actually is are condemned to remain enslaved and oppressed. You yeah. know, and if I said that was um, Martin Luther King, that would be a meme posted everywhere on the sure. internet. If it was Gandhi, if it was the Dalai Lama. Right. But this quote, oppressed people who are unable or unwilling to confront reality as it actually is, are condemned to remain enslaved and oppressed. That's Bob Avakian, chairman of the Revolutionary Communist Party. And there, uh, there is only one source that I've been reading on. I read a lot of news sources, but uh, Revcom.us, 
where for years and years I've been reading this analysis about the threat of Christian fascism and it uniting and creating this, you know, unifying with unbridled capitalism. And now this is exactly what we're seeing. And people will attack communists and people will slander them and say they're cultists and this and that. But to me, as a human being, the truth is the truth. And I'm going to stand with whoever has a political line. And right now, that's the broadest political line. We're trying to form a united front. So if you voted for Hillary Clinton, or if you're just a woman that hates them because you've been molested or raped or, you know, sexually abused by a man or, and the thought of him just disgusts you or if yeah. you're an immigrant and your, and your children are going to bed at night, you know, having nightmares about yeah. Donald Trump and yes. going to school and the other kids are pounding the desk, saying, build a wall, build a wall. You know, we want to unite with everybody right now. But it takes a vanguard to get out in front of people and say, and to raise that flag and to wake people up. You know, this country was not founded. It was not handed down by God. You know, it was won through a violent yes. uprising, a violent armed revolution that overthrew the, the class that was ruling over the bourgeoisie, <laughs> the, the monarchy, right? Yep. And they put this system in, enforced this constitution with a lot of slave owners signing it, and, you know, white prop, male white property owners founded this country. On Christian ones, yes. Genocide and enslavement of hundreds of millions. So let's not forget where we came from, and let's not forget what we're facing right now, and let's not forget the lesson at, at Standing Rock. And I'm sorry to keep talking so much on your show, Bert. That's all right. No, it's, off it's, it's certainly uh, stimulating, and there's, uh, there's always certainly differences of, of opinion, but I think we do unite. And what you're talking about there, you know, women who, I mean— I've naturally appalled at this uh, admitted sexual abuser. And, you know, I know people who are uh, have various disabilities. And the fact that this uh, guy, I could call him other things, but it's the radio, uh, made fun of people with disabilities. I mean, it's just outrageous. Oh. And it's going to bring people together, I think. I don't think... You know, in terms of guns, look, the other side has all the guns. I, you know, and there is, I mean, Standing Rock, yeah, there was violence from the police, tremendous violence from the police, but not from the uh, uh, the defenders of the land, of the water. It wasn't uh, violent. Right. Gandhi knew nonviolence is tremendously powerful, as did Martin Luther King. The most powerful nonviolent weapon has always been the general strike. Uh, the last time there was a general strike in America, as in, in my knowledge, is San Francisco in 1934. People's income and jobs are affected. I wonder, you know, to me, ideally, on January 20th, nobody would do anything. It would be a total general strike on January 20th, the day that these, this regime takes power. But people are, I think... It's not likely to happen. Their income and very jobs could be effective. What do you think about that? Can is this you know a general strike is a heck of a lot to ask? But what power can we have? You talk about making a political crisis. I agree. There has to be some sort of political crisis. What specifically can we do in the big cities in the small towns? This is you know what the the ad on January fourth calls for. What can we do? Right. Well, you know, you bring up a, a a little bit of history about general strike, and you know, it, it's a 
it's a shame that it's been that long. I mean, if you look at other countries in, in oh, Europe yeah. and, oh, yeah. you know, around the world, of course, the labor movements, you know, but here, this has been the most rapidly capitalistic, you know, predatory society mankind has ever seen, really. And they've been attacking the unions in <clears throat> for decades, you know, from the, from the beginning. It's been a bloody struggle. And again, they're about to take another leap forward, hmm. basically gutting, you know, public, you know, selling off public land, selling off public agencies, closing them down, privatizing the government. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. the capitalist society eating so. itself. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's hard to get a general strike going. But, you know, yeah. we do have this, like we talked about, there's a new generation. They're on Snapchat, they're on Facebook, and they're on Twitter. And, you know, if you look at what happened in the Arab Spring, none of that would have been possible without Twitter. Yes. So we have tools. Now they have the ability to shut the whole, you know, mm. Internet down in certain countries. That's and great. if they do that here, I think that's going <laughs> to let a lot of people know, a lot more people know that it is fascism that's coming into place here. But um, what can people do? What, well, what are you going to do on January on, uh January 20th. Are you, do you work every day? Um, if you don't mind me asking, are you going to take a stand on that day? You know, I, I've just started thinking about that. I have to, I will definitely take a stand on that date. And I know on the 21st, there are demonstrations across the country, including uh, women's march in Washington, but I know there's going to be one here in New Hampshire, but I don't know on the 20th. Uh, I, I'm hoping people will at least gather in the center of town here. And I think people will. You know, I, I don't, I mean, it's not very far away from now, but I do think people across the country will at least stand out and, and take some time out and go out in the streets and, and make some noise. And we got to make noise. We have to make noise. Right. Bert, you have, you have this radio show, you have this platform, and a, and a lot of people listen to it, and a lot of people respect you and look up to you. Yeah, well. And are you a father? Of course. Well, not of course, but yes, I am. Yeah. I'm a father too, you know, and it's like, and I was raised Jewish too. My great grandfather, uh-huh. um, uh, they came here from Poland off the, you know, with nothing. Basically, uh-huh. they had a little plot of land back in Poland, and he had gone back to work the land. And then the Nazis invaded, and mm-hmm. he was caught up, and they forced him to dig a, a grave, and they shot him in the back. Oh, so you know, my family history, I've mm-hmm. grown up with knowing that, you know, yes. and knowing what happened the story of the Warsaw Ghetto, and Kristallnacht, yeah. and also Degenerate Art, and, the, and right. um, you know, Resistance. Right. So I've grown up with that, too. What are you going to do? This is, what, this is what we're all doing in the United States right now, people of conscience have to do. So come up with an idea, and then let your, you know, your friends on social media or put it on your radio show and say, mm-hmm. I'm going to be in the square. I'm going to be there because I oppose this. And you should be there, and you should join me. And if you start doing that now, by Mm -hmm. the 20th, you might have a 1,000 people that are planning on going to this event. But this is what it takes. I'm just a a drummer, you know, but I care about the world. Yes. And I care about the future, you know. And uh, I see things, and I study things, and I'm not afraid to speak out on them because I know that things can get much worse. And there will, could very well come a time very quickly where we're not able to speak out in the same kind of ways, yeah. you know? And so I'm just really challenging you. This interview was a real challenge for me, um, you know, for to go for an hour. Um, as, as you know, it was great, drummer. and and I really appreciate it. But I want to challenge you back because that's what it's going to really take, is for you to, and everybody else, people of conscience, to get involved 
and put yourself, take a stand and, you know, draw the line on this. A reminder that old poster, Uncle Sam wants you. You're right. right. That's exactly what we're doing. You know, if you, that's who you want to see pointing at you, and that's who... No, no, no. I'm just saying... You go for it. <laughs> no, but just we need kidding. to ask each other, what are you going to do? And and you asked me, and I think that's entirely appropriate, and that's exactly what we're talking about here. You know, put people on the spot. Say, are you happy with Trump and Pence? I don't think so. So what are you going to do? Let's all do something. Use the social media. I mean, it's incredibly powerful, and it's still democratic with a small d. Who knows how long that'll last? But, you know, making noise. It's about making noise. Uh, people criticized me back, oh, I forget, I think it was 2005 when, when George W. Bush was giving the uh, State of the Union. A lot of people uh, went out into the streets and made noise, literally made noise, banged pots and pans to make noise to, you know, at we least— We did that here in front of Trump Tower uh, in Chicago on New Year's Eve. So oh, excellent. That's what I was going to say earlier. You got to get on Twitter. You would have seen uh, videos of us. We have had— um, Members from the group that I started, Degenerate Artists Against Fascism. I love By the it. way, look it up if uh, all the artists out there, I love uh, whether you're a painter, dancer, musician, whoever. And then um, we were out there with refusefascism.org making a lot of noise uh, drums, saxophone, uh, guitar, harmonica. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> and artists have that power. Artists have unique power. And artists are always yeah. a real threat to the, you know, illegitimate powers because, I mean, art shakes things up. It's not supposed to be soothing all the time. I know the, you know, <laughs> when Hitler called it degenerate art, it shows the power of art and artists and musicians like you. And, you know, you've, the, the thing, the advertisement suggests loud agitation, actions that are nonviolently disruptive of business as usual in shopping malls and theaters, on streets and public squares, during rush hours and on weekends in workplaces and schools. But, you know, of course, I have to wonder, we're still in the, in the phase of building things up. You know, during the protest against the, the war in Vietnam, there was the period where we needed, you know, we were still building up support against the war. And there were others who wanted to just, you know, take more, you know, nonviolent but disruptive actions. I'm wondering about might not making a ruckus, inconveniencing people, have the effect of making people mad at the protesters. What, what do you think about that? I mean, maybe that maybe that's just part of the process. At least it wakes people up. I don't know. What do you think about that, uh, Ted? Well, I mean, uh, Bert, I think we need to just really consider who are the people, you know, who are we talking about? Are we talking about, you know, the uh, millions of immigrants who are being threatened to be deported? You know, are they going to be, their day going to be disrupted because we're, you know, in shopping malls or blocking traffic and shutting down, you know, government institutions are the, is the transgender child who's going to get bullied and, you know, they get beat up in the bathroom at school and come home crying to their mom, you know, it's uh, who's going to be affected by that and what are we facing? You know, again, this is not business as usual and that's where it brings us around. Sometimes we get so lost in the, in the trees. We've got to step back and look at this, you know, and we're, our statement, why it's so bold is that we are coming out unapologetically and saying this regime is fascist. We're not, question, we're not asking the question like Newsweek and other people have put out there. We're saying they are. Here are the definitions. Here's how they are fascist. And so we're taking a scientific approach to this. This is not, you know, just throwing labels around and memes around the Internet, right? So yeah. if we're saying they are fascist and they are coming to power, 
that's what's at stake here, you know. And what's at stake is a climate denier and the uh, CEO of Exxon Ugh, <laughs> controlling the future of the planet. Yeah. And uh, a trigger-happy, you know, thin-skinned, racist, sexist, yes. xenophobic, yes. Uh, egomaniac <laughs> with the codes uh, to the nuclear weapon, you know, nuclear arsenal. And when he had a, uh, you know, a meeting earlier this summer, and I think it was a director of the CIA mentioned that, you know, he asked about codes three times in the meeting specifically, mm. you know. So that's what we're facing. Now, wow. the rest of the world is looking at us. The, the, everyone yes. else around the world who's going to be, everyone's going to be affected by this. Yes. And this fascist movement is growing all over the all over the world. Andrea Merkel is up for re-election in uh-huh. 2017. Yes. A lot of European countries have elections. All these right-wing fascist uh, parties are sprouting up. They just narrowly lost in Austria. Yes. But uh, they're friends with Trump already, and they're creating this. They're realigning something in the world with Putin and the oil industry, and, you know, I can't tell you exactly what it is, but there's a lot of uh, friction, and there's a lot of infighting in the ruling class, and Donald Trump and this cabal and this marriage of unbridled imperialism and capitalism with Christian fascism is a danger to all of humanity. It's a danger to the planet, and if these idiot people, I'm sorry, but they want to say, oh, go home, stop crying, you lost, blah, blah, blah. You know what? You're just too dumb to know that you lost, too, but I'm not going to waste my time right now arguing with right. people because we have work to do. And every person that agrees with you know, the sentiment of what we're putting out there, it's not enough to, to like and retweet. Yes. You know? But that, that, that is a tool that we have, and that's why we can come together so quickly is because it's not the 1960s and we're not all waiting for the Sunday New York Times to come out for, you know, or <laughs> Ramparts or whatever, hey, the monthly edition or something, to come out for direction. It's coming instantly, and that's why they were able to create a situation like just happened in South Korea and what happened in Egypt in Tahir Square, where you can bring millions out rather quickly. It's possible to do this. And coming out on the streets, making noise, yeah, it may inconvenience people, but a nuclear war would be a little inconvenient. You know, kicking people out of the country is a little inconvenient, you know, so, yeah, it does take, uh, uh, you know, we have to uh, create uh, some political uh, crisis. We have to do it. So what can people do? Can you point people to a website? How can people help in this effort? It's very, very simple. All they have to do is Get on the internet and go to www.refusefascism.org. Uh, that's a tough word to spell. I wish we could call them something else, but they are fascists. So, oh, yeah. uh, refusefascism.org. And you'll go right there. That website has just had a bunch of ma- major upgrades to it in the past uh, two days. It's really well organized. There's a section, what can you do? Actions taking place with pinpointed on the map all over the United States, memes to download and share. They can change their profile picture to our no. They're saying, no, we refuse to accept uh, fascist America. Um, they can get make stickers. They can get out, and they're, like you said, in a town square and print out the call from refuse fascism and hand them out and talk to people and just start organizing. There was a time where I never had done this before, and, you know, someone more experienced than me just gave me a friendly shove in the back, and I didn't really have a choice, mm. you know. And um, once you do that, uh, eventually I got arrested, and I was congratulated on that. <laughs> and, you know, I got my 
my badge, my first badge, and then I kept going. <laughs> so I uh, just try to get other people to do the same that are willing to do it. All right. We have to do it. We have to do it. Thank you so much, uh, Ted Sirota, and uh, his band is Ted Sirota's Rebel Souls, and uh going to hear your stuff sometime. Thank you very much, and uh, yeah, we're, we're in it together, and uh, I hope we can talk in the future. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you, Bert. 